Good morning. Now, I would ask you to imagine for a moment you are perhaps attending a job interview, uh, maybe a candidate for some kind of office, or even involved in launching a new brand or product. You choose your first public presentation with enormous care because first impressions can matter. They're very important. Big companies like Apple, Samsung, they spend billions each year in advertising, carefully tailoring their public message, making sure that we hear exactly what they want us to see and hear, especially when they launch a brand new product. Everything's carefully planned out, well tailored and rehearsed. Because you only get one chance to launch something well, to make that first impression, so don't blow it. Each detail is carefully controlled so that everything you say and do will convey exactly what you want it to, exactly what you are about. Now, my subject this morning, the miracle I'm going to be talking about is Jesus at the wedding in Cana, when Jesus, a guest at that wedding, turned water into wine. Now, this is at the very beginning of his public ministry, his very first miracle. Why would he turn water into wine? Why did he choose to start with this? Jesus performed a number of miracles, many much more spectacular. We've already heard about him calming the storm, raising the dead. Why not start with that? This is his moment. This is the first public demonstration of his power. His calling card, perhaps, the quintessential sign of all that he's about. This is it. This is my intention. This is what I can do. My first miracle is to keep a party going. (laughs) Let's set the scene. Jesus, along with his mother and some of his disciples, have been invited to a wedding. Now, you can probably visualise the scene. Everyone's dressed up in their finest clothes, processions through the streets. You've seen the films with the Jewish guys with their arms around their shoulders, dancing and all this kind of stuff. Now, it's not just a good knees-up type of thing, but it's a a chance to bind the community together. This was a big community event. The whole town would have been in attendance. But the account opens on a disaster. There's no more wine. The party's over. What are they going to do? All of these people here, all of these guests, this was a massive issue in such an honour-based culture. So much shame on the family. Let's look at what happens next. I'm reading from John chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, and the verses should come up behind me. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. They did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now the key is this, the last verse. It's a sign. A sign of what? 
a symbol of something else. As I said, it's his first miracle. This is not an ordinary, this is a miracle. His first use of supernatural power and significant, according to the gospel writer here. He knew that the moment he demonstrated his power, things would be different. The moment news of that power leaked, he was starting a countdown that wouldn't end until Calvary, the cross. Bring more wine to keep a party going. Why would he do that? Now, sure, running out of wine was a serious social misstep. As I've said, it's deeply embarrassing. I can remember once at small group not having enough milk to make teas and coffees. (laughs) I felt very silly. But it's not life or death. Nobody's dying. Nobody's starving. What did this act signify about what Jesus came into this world to do? Let me tell you of a time in my own life when any joy or party atmosphere completely evaporated. I had one of those conversations with a doctor that you hope you will never have. I remember very vividly walking into his office and seeing the look on his face and he knew straight away, something's up. We've had your test results back. It's not good news, I'm afraid. You have cancer. I don't really remember much of what he said after that. And at that moment, any kind of worldly definition of joy that Naomi and I had as a family, it went. What does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for her? What does this mean for our two boys, Ethan and Luke? Normal changed. You realise that the life you had before, in one sense, is gone. It's a different kind of normal now. And one where, for us, the future didn't look good. Life seemed to be in tatters. But I remember very vividly after the appointment, Naomi and I were just, we just went outside to the hospital block. There was a wooden bench. We sat down. We'd just come at the appointment and she's in floods of tears. I'm, I'm just utterly, utterly stunned. And we just prayed. And at that moment, I had a tangible sense of God's presence with us. Now, you know how part of this story continues because I'm here telling it to you. <laughs> but it's a journey that continues Life for us is not the same. And I experienced something of what the psalmist said. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. I felt God say, I'll be with you. He could offer no guarantees about what would happen, but I will be with you. Now there's much in this that points, much in this account that points to the cross and Jesus' mission, a preview of the Last Supper perhaps where the wine becomes Jesus' blood shed for all of us. Yes, but that's a means to an end. Jesus is saying this, I have come to bring you joy, joy that will be a strength to you. They summon the master of the banquet to taste the wine. He's, the master of the banquet is like an MC. He makes sure the party runs as well as it possibly can. When Jesus turns water into wine and saves the day here, do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I am the true master of the banquet. I am the Lord of the feast. This wedding here that these people are gathered to is nothing to what he has planned. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste this new wine, taste it, experience it deeply. And 
the profound joy we can receive and experience through relationship with him is so astonishing, so incredible, so amazing that all of the stuff that can happen to us in life, all of the stuff the world can throw at us, it suddenly pales in significance. And all who believe in him can have a foretaste of that joy now. Those who believe in him will in them have a stream of that joy, a foretaste of that joy now. Now, there have been many times since that doctor's appointment where I have needed deeply the strength and deep joy that only Jesus can bring. I forget I need it. I keep trying to turn wine into water because it's not a one-time thing. We need to keep going back to him, to drink from the well that is a relationship with him. So the question then that we are left with, that I would ask myself and I would ask you, Have you experienced God's joy? Are you experiencing God's deep joy and strength now? And I'm not talking about a surface level mirth and happiness here, but the deep joy that brings strength to us. Think of the servants. They had to trust him. They had to follow him. They had to have faith and obedience in the instructions that he gave them. But look what happened. Look what Jesus can do. They had the best wine and it is a foretaste that is consoling, that is fortifying, refreshing, even even in the hardest and driest of times like living water. He has come to bring us joy. That is the reason his first miracle is to keep a party going. Father, we want to experience more of your joy, more of your deep joy. And that's through your Holy Spirit. That's through receiving your Holy Spirit. So Father, I just pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We would experience a deep sense of your joy and your happiness and your delight over us, Father. Father, we need you. We need you to get through life. We need you to to get through life each day, Father. But pour out your spirit upon us. We want to experience your deep joy. So pray, Father, that that would happen to us here. That would happen to us here right now. We would experience that deep joy, Father, and that you would be with us each day. You would be with us. We would see and experience something new and fresh from you, Father, in Jesus' name. You would equip us in Jesus' name. Amen.